When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings have been around since 1961, and we just want them to win a damn Super Bowl before we die. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, you guys? We are back for episode two of Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. Uh, here to talk a little Vikings again. We had our first episode debut on Monday. Thank you to all of you for checking it out. We have Arif Hazan of The Athletic joining us a little bit later to tell us what he's been seeing at camp. But Thor, let's dive in. Football preseason starts tonight. The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars take on the Las Vegas Raiders in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. Are you excited? Are you like, meh, whatever? Did you even know that a preseason game was happening today? <laughs> I didn't because the Vikings aren't playing in it. But now that I do, I, I'm going to be watching. Yeah. You know, I mean, f- football's back. It's a great thing. You have to love it. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the teams were getting offered today. Maybe not, not the best, but uh, getting to tune into football, that is the best. I know. What are the Jags even, right? Like, they're just kind of this weird anomaly. I know we were talking before the show with uh, our producer, Ross Brindell, and he said, there should be just a lower bar set for the Jaguars most of the time, just because they're just kind of this, they're there. They're just always there. Yeah. They're the argument that the NFL should do regulate or what do you call that regulation or, or relegation? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big European soccer guy, <laughs> but it's, it's a great concept. And Jacksonville it would, you know, is, is our argument for it. Yeah. There you go. That hall of fame game again, happening tonight, 7 PM on NBC. The Vikings will not open up their preseason until October or excuse me, August 14th, August guys, not October, August 14th uh, in Las Vegas. But let's talk a little bit more Vikings again, before Arif joins us. Uh, Irv Smith jr. Who we talked about on Monday, having a breakout campaign. Everybody was excited. Like, here we go. This is the tight end. And he hurt his thumb and is hopeful to be ready to go for uh for the season but still question mark i mean is this again a classic vikings classic minnesota situation you got to feel for irv smith jr yeah this wasn't the break we were we were hoping for right <laughs> i mean yeah and and it seems Literally. like you know every single off season it's the same thing you know and you know in in june july may whatever there's there's this hope that it's going to be the irv smith break all year and then it just gets deferred to another year now the vikings say that they're optimistic that irv is going to be ready for week 1 but this is a guy that didn't play last year. That's already the 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 fit of the you know of him in the offense. We talked about this last time. Of is Irv a, a true inline guy? Can he play inline? Can he right. hold up at inline over the course of the season? Now we're you know we'll have to see if if that's the case. But this certainly is not a good sign. And then getting up to speed in Kevin O'Connell's new scheme, where you know we are talking about the the ways that they are planning to get Irv Smith the ball in space. 
are, are those plans going to be compromised at all from him being out? And then the other thing that's interesting is even if Irv Smith was 100% healthy, the Vikings had terrible tight end depth. What, you know, one of the worst, you know, depths of depth charts of tight ends in the entire NFL. Now without Irv Smith, you know, what do you do? Is Johnny Munt going to be your, your starting tight end? Who would even be his backup? Are we talking about like Ellison? Uh, did they trust Zach Davidson at all? Um, th there's a lot of questions, and I, I hope Arif is going to give us some answers on, on those questions. Yeah, again, Arif Hassan of The Athletic joining us in just a couple minutes here. Uh, but, you know, going back to Ersman Jr.'s. How much longer do you keep saying, okay, yes, next year will be the year, next year will be the year? I mean, at what point do you just kind of look at it and be like, maybe this is never going to be the year for, for Irv Smith Jr.? I mean, there is that lack of tight end depth. So who does step up? Well, for me, this is the referendum year for Irv. I, I'm not doing the thing again of rolling it forward. And, and if this year is another zero where I'm, I'm still hoping for the guy, uh, you, you know, me, you know, and again, I, I see Irv a little bit different than other people do. I did when he was coming into the league and I still do. I think he is more of a niche manufactured touch H back type than a true inline guy. And if he can't even stay healthy to do that, you know, I mean, you can't you can't look at him as a building block of your team going forward. Now, with him on, you know, with this current staff, I do think that there or I or I did think that there was a shot of, of that breakout season. I think the odds of that get cut a little bit by him not being available for most of camp is, is what it's looking like it's going to be. But, you know, if he can play out the season, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But not, not a great day for, for Irv Smith. You know, as I mentioned, Arif Hassan of The Athletic joining us. I do want to get his input on Irv Smith to kick things off. So let's welcome Arif to the show. Hey, Arif, how are you? Hey, what's going on? What's up, buddy? Hey, hey. Just a Mr. Popular, a busy man out there doing pods every other day, doing a little <laughs> writing on the side. Uh, are you happy football season's here? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, <laughs> clearly getting a lot of attention, right? So you can't hate that. But, yes. <laughs> um, no, it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch the uh, the, the Raiders Jaguars pretend to play a game of football tonight. Uh, it's been a bit. Uh, it'll be like the USFL, which I, you know everyone knows I was a huge fan of. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. You know, we've been talking about football all off season. Finally, get to see all of the stuff we've been speculating play out. You know, all right, so we were just talking about Irv Smith Jr. Obviously, we talked about the lack of tight end up. What are the odds that the Vikings look at free agency as a possibility to help plump up that? I mean, Jared Cook is still available. There are some other guys, some other names that could maybe help at least in, in the short term or in the interim until maybe Irv Smith is able to be that full impact player that, that you want. You know, I, I wish I had a better uh, kind of understanding of, of where the Vikings stand on this. It's pretty unclear what they would do. I think Jared Cook, for example, would make a ton of sense given his familiarity with the Ram system and, and the offense that the Vikings are running. Um, I'm not confident in the kind of depth that they have. Um, the Vikings obviously, you know, publicly will say that they're confident, but the way that they talk about it, right, is just like, hey, you know, you, when, when you have a player go down, sometimes you have a bunch of different ways that you resolve that problem, right? You get CJ Hammond there or Johnny Mutt and maybe, you know, more three or four receiver sets. And it's just like, wow, okay, that just means you don't have a backup tight end. That means, <laughs> right. And so um, I, I do believe them when they say that they expect him um, by or near week one. Uh, they've been extremely forthcoming about uh you know injuries that are occurring in camp which is not something i you know remember from the previous regime uh and so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that um they do have a little bit of cap space to be able to to handle this sort of thing i'm sure that they would want to wait for an in-season emergency but mm -hmm. um my guess if i were you know gun to my head i would say that they probably wouldn't 
But, you know, I, I would not be shocked if they if, if they brought someone in. I think that for the most part that they expect Irv Smith to be ready um, and, and they kind of just want to build around the kind of offensive personnel that they have. Arif, a follow-up question on that. If Irv Smith is not ready for the beginning of the season, number one, are you or do you think they would be comfortable running Johnny Munt out as the starting inline guy for a couple of weeks? And then part two of that question, the guys behind him, Ellison, uh, Davidson, some of those different guys, do any of those guys excite you as active roster guys for this this coming season? Or are you out on those guys and think that those essentially it's, a, it's another roster spot that you could use to fill uh, signing a veteran tight end potentially? So as a receiving tight end, I don't think Ellison you know, has a lot going for him. And it pains me to say this. You know, I don't like NDSU guys, but he is a really wonderful blocker. <laughs> He's a really good blocking tight end. Um, and, and he can actually run a pretty good route. It's just you're not going to see him deep downfield or anything like that. Um, so, uh, I, I do think that the plan would be, uh, primarily to have just, uh, Johnny Munt out there, uh, and to have kind of, again, a constellation of ways that you're going to deal with it, either by having formations that allow you flexibility by, you know, putting CJ Ham in line or as a wing, um, or by, you know, putting another receiver out there. Cause they really like, you know, kind of what KJ Osborne and Adam Keelan can do as blockers from the slot, you know, just kind of those kinds of things that, that, that will allow them to kind of work around the fact of not having Irv Smith. And again, it would only be for about one or two weeks. And I think that that was more likely going to be the solution than it is to have a strike up one for one replacement. But in that world, in that scenario, it would be Johnny Munt. And then behind Johnny Munt, I'm not crazy confident. Now, Zach Davidson's having a really wonderful camp. Uh, it's one of those things where I kind of I kind of don't believe it, right? Like, it, it's more of a, um, yeah, he's playing well against the second team. He's playing well because the second team quarterback loves to check down, and he happens to be the check down guy. You know, those sorts of things. But he's had some pretty good opportunities with the first team with Irv Smith out a little bit. And so there is something there. I just need to see a little bit more before I'm confident that Davidson, who has the most upside of almost any player I, in camp, Right. Uh, I, I think I'm going to need to see a little bit more before I'm comfortable saying that he's going to have a meaningful impact on the season. Sort of a, a follow up question involving Davidson and, and a couple more guys. You, you made your the, your newest version of the 53 man projections earlier this week. You've done a couple before, but we got an updated version. You had a couple guys on there that surprised me as far as guys that were not going to make the roster. And then at least one big surprise, I thought, as far as a guy making the roster, I wanted to ask you about that. Among guys that you had not making the roster in this current one, uh, Davidson, who we're, we're talking about, Wyatt Davis, uh, Janaris Robinson, Chaz Surratt, uh, you insinuated that Ke Kellen Mond maybe shouldn't feel the most comfortable. And then, uh, but one of the surprise guys that you had in was Zach McLeod, who was a guy who was off my radar. You know, as you know, when I was putting together my 500 big board, he was way, way, way down there. Um, the Vikings clearly liked him more, not only than me, than a lot of other teams. You know, when you were watching the UDFA uh, free-for-all play out, they were pretty aggressive in going after him. Yeah, they paid him a bit. They, yeah. they, did, they did pay him a bit for a UDFA. I, so I'm, I'm curious, your, your observations on Zach McLeod and what you're hearing and what pushed you to project him onto the roster. And then the second part of that question is it too early to start panning the 2021 draft class when we're talking about that many guys from that class that you think have a shot to get cut? Yeah, um, it, it is kind of interesting when you evaluate that class. One thing to keep in mind is that they found a starting quality safety in Cameron Bynum in that class. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so so 
relatively speaking, credit to them for that. But yeah, I think for the most part, that 2020 class um, is is not going to come off stellar reviews after, after this cutdown. I could be wrong about a couple of these guys. I'd be shocked if I was wrong about all of these guys, right? They're probably only going to keep four linebackers. I don't see how Chasseret makes it in that scenario. Um, I don't think any of the beat writers around here have Wyatt Davis making the team, even in the scenario where they, you know, cut Garrett Bradbury of all things, which I think would be kind of the shocking dark horse veteran cut, which Vikings fans would understand, of course, um, and and create another uh, roster spot for offensive linemen. And maybe even if they keep 10 offensive linemen, I still don't see Wyatt Davis making the team. I think that it's just they're not giving him opportunities. They've clearly signaled what they believe about him. And it is generally not positive stuff. So. Um, you know, Kellen Mond is having a really, really poor camp right now. It, it might, you know, kind of improve over time. We might see a good preseason from him, and that could certainly change things. But, you know, his timing is off. His accuracy is off. He hasn't been able to do more than, like I said, check down to Zach Davidson. Um, and he's missing a lot of these deep shots. And so I think for the most part, this um, this draft class is is just not looking good. And then, of course, if Janarius Robinson, you know, gets cut for, you know, Zach McLeod and the guy I was deciding between was actually him and Andre Mintz, who they grabbed from, uh, I want to say Denver. Vandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a Vandy guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The NFL team um, they grabbed him from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so, uh, and, and Mintz actually, just right after I published that, Mintz had a phenomenal day in camp. He's deep downfield, deflecting a pass to Zach Davidson, uh, you know, in the, in the corner of the end zone, while also being a really effective pass rusher that's winning his one-on-one drills. So both McLeod and Mintz have actually looked really good in camp. Janarius Robinson has struggled against players like Blake Brandel and Oli Udo, you know, the backup tackles. Uh, and, and so I think that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for a fifth edge rusher to really kind of make a name for themselves. And I think McLeod, at the time I wrote that, was doing the best. And now I think it might be Mintz. It's, it's, it's actually really difficult. But I think that, you know, a lot of these teams end up surprising you by putting a UDFA on the team and cutting a guy that everyone thought they were going to make. It happens every year at every team. Uh, and I think uh, if I were going to call my shot, it might be at edge rusher. Interesting. You mentioned Garrett Bradbury. I want to talk about him too, as many Vikings fans do. How is he looking at his struggles continue? And tell me a little bit about Chris Reed too, who's really making a name for himself. It sounds like at camp uh, at center as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if this is in the Vikings plans, but they've rotated Austin Schlotman and Chris Reed on the second team between guard and center. Chris Reed has a bit of preseason experience at center, but he doesn't have any live NFL reps at center. Um, but they they view him as a guy that can back up all three interior positions. And of course, Austin Schlotman is primarily a center and they're seeing if he can play at guard. And my theory is I've got no basis for this. My, my theory is they're thinking about, um, you know, Chris Reed, who, who played really well at guard for the Colts last year as an injury replacement, could potentially be a starting quality center for them. The problem is that Chris Reed um, has had some snapping issues while under center, not in shotgun, while under center with Kellen Mond. Now, I, as much as I've been begging on Kellen Mond, I think it's unlikely that this is Kellen Mond's fault. Um, he's been doing fine when Austin <laughs> Schlotman's under center, for example, right? Um, but, uh, you know, that that's something that they're going to have to nail down if they're really going to make, you know, a transition between the starting center, Garrett Bradbury, who's very rarely had snapping issues. Not none, but rarely had snapping issues. Um, and, and Chris Reed. But uh, Bradbury's been having, in my eyes, a really disastrous camp for him. Um, and And he's never really had a great training camp, which, you know, is not a shock given how he's played in the regular season, but this is perhaps the most um, disastrous it's been for him. It's he's been bowled over in one-on-ones. Harrison Phillips has been eating his lunch day in and day out in team drills, you know, and one-on-ones are, are biased against center. So you want to take a look at him in team drills uh, and in team drills, he hasn't really been making uh, a, a ton of headway. You know, all these guards are doing a pretty good job getting to the second level. He's had trouble getting off of his blocks or keeping the center clean. So um, he's been having a really, really poor camp. And that's kind of where I see, the Vikings uh, 
you know, mixing up at center to see what their options are is maybe a sign that they could potentially cut Garrett Bradbury. What yeah, is the you- reasoning that Garrett Bradbury does struggle at camp so often? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Like you mentioned, he was just very much ragdolled by Harrison Phillips, right? And just bowled over. I mean, Brutal. what what is going on there? Why? So- the, the training camp environment in particular is really just bad for centers because you put them in a lot of one-on-one drills where they don't have help from the guards. There's a, a lot more space for a defensive lineman to be able to make some moves and get past the center than there is in an actual NFL game. And so you've got that combination of the fact that centers are expected to have guard help and that there's just more pass rush space available for defensive linemen. It is just going to be really difficult for a center to perform well. On top of that, one of Garrett Bradbury's weaknesses is his anchor, his ability to uh, stay stout, his lower body strength, his ability to win against strength. Uh, And given that combination of a disadvantage against him and the fact that his weaknesses are highlighted in the camp environment, given that the one-on-one drills can help prioritize some nose tackles of a lot of strength, it's just not going to look good for him. Um, that on top of the fact that he doesn't seem to be a particularly good player. And I say this relatively speaking, he's obviously, you know, an NFL quality player, but maybe not a top 32 player. Right. Um, that I think is, is, is what really magnifies the situation and makes it very likely that someone like Air Bradbury has difficulty, um, you know, performing in a camp environment. Sure. Sticking with that offensive line, uh, question number one, do you think that Chris Reed could be a viable NFL starting center this coming season if they did do a shocking thing like whether it's Cub Bradbury or whether that they just stick him on the bench and, and he acts as the depth piece? And then number two, same sort of question, just moving one spot to the right. Do you think Jesse Davis, from what you've seen, what you've heard, do you think he can be a functional NFL starting right guard? Obviously, last year he didn't play any snaps there, played some at left guard. Uh, he's played some right guard in the past. But do you think that, you know, extrapolated over a full season, that he's going to be at least an average starting right guard in the NFL? I mean, he's got a great name, so that's uh, off on the, on <laughs> yeah, the right, right of to course, start. Of course, yeah. of <laughs> Um, so I'll say this. I think that uh, should both of them start at those respective positions, center and right guard, I think both of them are very likely to be below average players. And I think that they would also be significant upgrades over what the Vikings <laughs> had last year. Right. Um, and that's kind of how, how you build a team sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you're you're running out of cap space, you're running out of draft capital and you're like, well, we can upgrade here. I don't know if anyone's going to be um, you know, excited about what happens here. Jesse Davis has been having an all right camp. Uh, as a right guard, you take a look at his history. He's been worse at tackle than he has been at guard and especially at right guard, which I think was a couple of years ago, last time he played right guard. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I I wouldn't say that he's, you know, lit the world on fire as a guard. You know, if he had Miami would have just had him play guard, right. (laughs) As opposed to just being a backup, everything that happens to start 16 games every year, Um, you know, based off of, you know, kind of whatever disasters are happening along the Miami offensive line. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, those are areas of concern should they continue to be staffed by Chris Reed and Jesse Davis. But there are also areas where the Vikings have, you know, kind of spackle on the wall in terms of trying to make sure that everything is kind of in tip top shape and looking good. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Like Colts fans, to me, have been overrating Chris Reed because of the role that he's played for the Colts. When you have an injury backup come in and not be a disaster. I think that that is a blessing for any NFL team. It just very rarely happens. And that's what happened for the Colts. And then, uh, you know, he goes on from the Colts to the Vikings. And 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 now we're considering him for a starting position, which is a whole different level of expectation. Now, he obviously has to get the snapping thing under control before the Vikings can even remotely consider this. Um, and so, uh, which, which I think is one reason that Mason Cole, for example, last year, was not seriously considered for the starting center job. Um, 
un, until of course you know the injuries force force their hand um that that I think is 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 going to be a critical. I mean, because it's it starts every play. You can't mess it up, right? You don't have to worry about pass protection if you're fumbling the ball at the beginning of the play. So you know, obviously, that this has to be kind of resolved before they can move forward. Um, but if that gets resolved, I think it's a serious consideration, and I think it's an opportunity for the Vikings to have a moderate upgrade, one where they're going to be seeking um, an upgrade in the next off season. Should that be the case? Oh. We- we, we talk about the, the couple of spots on offense, the problem spots or the spots that, that need to get better. Before we let you run a revite, would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the one on defense, the secondary. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of different things. Number one, break down and handicap the, the race for safety, too, between Cam Bynum and, and Louis Seen. Give us an idea of what you think each brings to the team. And, and if one wins, this is what the why the coaching staff made that decision, et cetera. Um, number two, what are the odds that Andrew Booth wins a starting job uh, this coming season? And what have you been hearing about him coming out of camp? And then the last one, is there any concern? You know, we talked about the tight end depth. Is there any concerns about the nickel depth? You know, you, you have Chan and Sullivan, who was an okay, uh, you know, slot guy for the Packers. But behind him, the Vikings really don't have any prototypical slot defenders. The rest of their cornerback room it's more of your sort of prototypical outside boundary guy that the bigger, longer guys uh, break that, break that stuff down for us. The secondary. Sure. I'll try to go in order. So I think at the beginning, if we start with Cameron Vinyl Lucene, I think if we're talking about who gets more snaps over the course of the season, I think that you've got basically a 70, 75% chance that that's Lucene. If we're talking about week one against the Packers, I think you've got maybe about a 60% chance that it's Cameron Bynum who's starting at safety. I think that um, it, it's going to be something that kind of comes along. They're going to play a lot of three safety sets where we're going to have both of them on the field along with Harrison Smith. Um, but for the most part, I think that at the beginning of camp, the Vikings have signaled that they're going to force Lucene to attempt to win the job from Cameron Bynum, who again, I think is actually a good player. I think that he's an above average starting safety and they just happen to find an opportunity in the draft to find a guy that they think is going to be great. That might not even happen year one, you know, whether or not Lucene is great. Right. And so I, I think that uh, for the most part, we're going to see Cameron Bynum begin, uh, you know, the early weeks in the season. And as Lucene kind of learns more, picks up more, um, you know, that's what's going to happen. The problem, of course, is the way that they want to set up their defense, which speaks to the second part of that first question, which is kind of what they bring to the table. Cameron Bynum, I think, is more kind of just your traditional free safety that you kind of want roaming up top. But the way the defense is set up, they start every snap basically in too high and then rotate in order to kind of confuse what uh, what quarterbacks are seeing. And if you do that, you kind of want both safeties to be able to do both jobs. I don't know that Cameron Bynum can do that. I think he's more of a free safety type. I'd be happy to be wrong. But Lewis Seen is definitely that kind of versatile guy that you can drop in the box and blow somebody up, take on a guard in the in the run game, uh, blow up a screen, do whatever. And he's also got the range to be a really excellent free safety in much the same way that Harrison Smith is. And so they'd be able to run the defense that they prefer with Lewis Seen back there, but they probably have a better pass coverage defense. And maybe as a result of that, a better running defense with Cameron Bynum in there. If Lewis Seen takes a little bit longer to kind of learn what his role in the defense is. And so you might see a little bit more staleness in the way that that coverage works. Now on the cornerback group, um, I think, again, this is a situation where I think you've got about a 65% chance that Cameron Dancer starts week one. And then by the end of the year, you've got a 75% chance or so that, 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 uh, that Booth is is the starting corner for most of the season or takes more snaps over the course of the season. Again, uh, Dancer has been doing a really excellent job in camp. Booth has to win the job from him. Booth started out camp really great. He's been struggling a little bit. Again, he's a rookie and at the hardest position that's not quarterback for rookies to learn, um, maybe besides tight end. It's just a really difficult one to pick up. Uh, and um, 
and, and we're seeing some of those struggles. I mean, he's playing really well. He's extremely confident, which I love to see. But Dancer's just been having a really good camp against everybody not named Justin Jefferson, and that includes <laughs> Adam Thielen, right? He's doing well against Adam Thielen. Now, again, getting burned by Justin Jefferson. I mean, everybody, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's all right. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think that Dancer's been having kind of the best camp I've seen from him. Um, he's finally added good weight as opposed to bad weight, which has been a pretty persistent problem for him. Uh, he's been able to kind of, uh, you know, mix in kind of the level of physicality he needs along with the level of, of coverage discipline that he needs. And he's doing a pretty good job. And so I think that we're going to start the season with him back there. Now, the slot corner position is a huge problem. Not a lot of people talk about this. I'm glad you brought it up. There is no depth there. It's Perry Nickerson and Nate Harrison. And I don't think that either of them would make most rosters. Right. And uh, they don't have a lot of versatility there. Like you said, players like Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans, Chris Boyd, um, they're all outside corners. And I would consider them liabilities at slot mm-hmm. corner. As good as I think Andrew Booth is going to be, as good as I think Cameron Dancer might be, I think they're liabilities. And I think that the Vikings last resort there might be to say, hey, Patrick Peterson, you're getting pretty old. Have you considered <laughs> the slot? Right. Like, I think that that's kind of the only opportunity that they have, which, of course, puts Cameron Dancer back on the field and Andrew Booth on the outside on the other side. And that would only be in a situation where Shannon Sullivan goes down or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Sullivan, uh, I don't think, has been having a remarkable camp. They don't, again, have a lot of options if that's the case. Um, And uh, I I think that the slot is going to be a matchup problem for them we see teams put giant guys in the slot we see teams put fast guys in the slot and i don't know that sullivan is good against either of those prototypes right he's good against like your west welkers right which that that slot prototype is kind of dying a little bit we don't see as many of those small shifty slot receivers we're seeing guys that you're like hey i don't are you a tight end what are you doing here <laughs> you know we're seeing those guys in the slot now uh and so um i, I don't know that the vikings uh, have an opportunity at the slot to really improve their passing defense um, that's going to be a big problem for them. And, and if Jen Sullivan goes down, I don't know that they have an answer. One final question for you, Arif, before I let you go, because I got to know kickers. We got to talk kickers because we're the Minnesota Vikings and we need to, to discuss this. Have to talk it. Uh, Matt da- Daniels made some comments earlier, really injecting Greg Joseph uh, as, as his kicker saying there's zero anxiety calling him. He's going to have a career year this year. Um, do you think that's feasible and how much do you think having this new regime is going to help him? Because as we saw under Zimmer and as we've talked about the culture kind of being very negative, I think Greg Joseph felt the effects of that very directly. I mean, do you think that this is kind of a new refresh for him and do you think a career year is feasible yeah well the the problem is that greg joseph has not been a particularly impressive kicker over the course of his career so a career year and a good year are unfortunately <laughs> two different things right um but uh he had i mean he has been really good he was eight for eight in camp uh, yesterday when we watched him including uh from 58 which was really impressive to see um it, it's one of those situations where i you know if if the vikings are cursed at kicker it doesn't matter who they bring in they're cursed at kicker you're, you're kind of screwed either way, right? <laughs> um, so if we kind of remove that from the equation for now, I think that are all of our indications that Greg Joseph is probably going to have a good year. Matt Daniels comes from um, a coaching background where he's worked with a lot of really excellent special teams coaches in his background. And, um, you know, with that in mind, I'm going to kind of just trust him for now to be able to evaluate um, that kicker situation. And, you know, there was a kicker competition. Greg Joseph won. It just happened to be before training camp, right? They cut Gabe Bursich mm-hmm. by the uh, by the end of um, by the end of camp, and so or by the end of OTAs. And so, uh, you know, Joseph has been has been doing fairly well um, and has been performing in pressure situations. And like honestly, last year, I, I wouldn't say Joseph was 
you know, one of the world's best kickers or anything like that. But he was fine, I think, especially compared to expectations. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, I think you're in a spot where kicker is maybe not an area where you'd say, hey, that's one of the strengths of our team. We're going to be a really great special teams unit and and kicking is going to be one area where we're going to win. But it's also not going to be, I think, an enormous concern. Uh, and, and so I think that that's kind of where the Vikings are situated. Again, it's kind of one of those after the off season, yeah, you probably want to bring in a little bit more competition, see what's going on there. Right. Exactly. Again, Arif Hassan from the athletic Arif, remind people where they can find you, where they can read your work. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, A-R-I-F H-S-A-N NFL. Uh, and then you can also find me at the athletic right now. I'm holding down the fort as the sole yes. Minnesota Vikings beat writer. Chad, unfortunately has left me. I know. Um, I'm not, I'm not bitter about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, right? Good. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, we might be bringing another guy in if we do, um, you know, I'll, I'll be able to kind of spotlight uh, what, what he or she has as the, the capability of bringing forth. But for now, if you want Vikings coverage, you got to head over to my page. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the com slash author slash Arif dash is on. Awesome. Arif, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate yeah, you, Arif. All right. Again, that was Harif Hassan from The Athletic. Chad Graff moving over to the New England Patriots. Love me some Chad Graff. Knew him from the Wild Beat. Best of luck to him. He returns home. Uh, You know, let's recap a little bit about what we discussed on Monday, Thor. I want to talk about Monday where you said the Minnesota Vikings were going to win 12. I repeat, 12 games. Now, no, that's just a no. But uh, why? <laughs> like, all right, break it down for me. What are we being too optimistic? You know, I know you're excited. We're all excited about the new offensive scheme. We're excited about the new coach. It's it's a fresh year. We're zero and zero. But the Minnesota Vikings winning 12 games is what's what's giving you that confidence, man? Um, well, mostly because I'm a Vikings fan sicko. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, is it, is it too optimistic? Yeah, but that's, we, we set ourselves up to get crushed every year, but you know, like as, as far as the, the mechanics of, of the roster and everything that a lot of the reasons that they were poor last year, that they were, that they, you know, under, underachieved relative to expectations, though, the, the, the need spots on that team were addressed this off season and, and a, a push up in, uh, or a, a better fairing for the team. It's entirely possible because of that if those things work out. And, and that's what we don't know. Like, you know, like we were talking about with the reef, Louis C, is he going to be able to start on day one and provide like an enormous impact? It's possible. That kid is super duper talented, but he also freelances a whole bunch, right? You know, it's sometimes he was caught out of position at Georgia. On that Georgia team, he was playing on over the past 20 years arguably the best defense in college football over, over the past 20 years. If not, it's one of the top three. He was able to do that because of the guys he was playing around. In the NFL, it's a bit different. You cannot be out of position because then you just gave up a touchdown. So it'll be interesting to see on that, some of the things that they did with the offensive line, if those guys can be better. The offensive line last year, a couple of those positions just absolutely stunk. And it's like Arif was talking about, even if you get below average play at center and right guard, as long as it stays at at, at just mediocre, below average, it's going to be an upgrade over last year, which was just an abject nightmare at both positions. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see about that. But I do think that there is that possibility to pretty easily jump up into 11 or 12 wins if the solutions you brought in for the main problems last year end up working out. Ross, Thor, inject some reality for me, please. Well, I'm just wondering, Thor, does the schedule affect your prediction at all? When you start to break down the Minnesota Vikings schedule, it appears for about the 25th year in a row they have an incredibly difficult <laughs> schedule. 
And I just wonder if you see any roadblocks to your 11-12 win prediction there. I know if you go back to our first edition earlier this week, available here on Purple Daily, <laughs> you like them to start off, I believe, 5-0. and So that's a yep. good chunk of the 12 wins. Does the schedule give you any pause? It, it doesn't actually. I, I I'm actually pretty optimistic. Wow. I, I, I like that. That Stick schedule. Stick to it. I like it. Oh, I like it's it. bullish. A thousand. I mean, look, you're playing in this crappy division where two of the teams crappy, are ch- crappy wow. division. Two of the teams Cold. in that. Div- Two, two of the teams in that division are absolute jokes. The Bears are probably the worst team in the NFL. The Lions are still bottom 10, right? I mean, conservatively. And then the Packers, they're definitely not going to be as good this coming season as they've been the last couple of years. We don't know how much they're going to fall off. You know, it de- depends on, you know, De- Devontae Adams. Now you're going to, you know, one of the NFL's worst receiving cores. And you know that Rodgers is not going to be better than he's been. They're going to fall off to some degree. I, the Vikings have to love the, the division they're playing in. You get to play six games against those teams. The Packers, you know, we talked about this last week. You get to open with the Packers at home, which I think is an enormous competitive advantage for this Vikings team, learning all these new schemes. And then you just sort of get to ambush the Packers with them in, in week one. And then the, the rest of this guy, I'm not scared by the rest of the, like at Eagles, you know, or, or the, the other teams that you're playing out of the, out of the NFC East. The Cowboys don't scare me. The Giants, you know, t- teams like that, they get to play the Jets in, in one of their, their crossover games. The Saints game in uh, in London doesn't scare me a whole bunch because the, the Saints backfield isn't very good. I, I, think, I think it sets up okay for the Vikings, to be honest. I think wow. a, a huge part of that, though, has to be protecting U.S. Bank Stadium, correct? You, you really can't have more than one or two home losses if you want to have for a sure. path to 11 or 12 victories. You got to get it done at home. Well, a thousand, yeah. thousand per- I, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, because Ross, to your point, you, you have some of these these road games that you're very unlikely to win or, you know, reasonably unlikely to win. Right. Like at the Bills, November 13th, you, you're at the Packers on on January 1st. Um, you know, you got to uh, at the Dolphins is, is another one. You, you consider the Saints this uh, that that game's in London or the you know, they play at the Eagles in, in week two. So, yeah, I mean, th- those are the ones where it's going to be the lower odds. You, you do have to uh, defend the-, the home turf. And back when the Vikings were really good, they consistently did that year after year. So, yeah, they- they'll definitely have to do that this year to, I mean, what to if, jump up. What if they get absolutely hosed by Green Bay in game one? Does that change anything for you? Oh, then we hit the alarms. Yeah. Okay. Then we, then, All right. Then, I'm just then, saying, you know, like we're hiding under the couch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, because I do, I think it's imperative for the Vikings to win, not only because it's green Bay, not only because it's at home, but I think that's just going to set the tone. It wouldn't matter who they played in that game one. And I know that probably sounds like, duh, of course, Jesse, but at the same time, I do, I think they have to win that game to get confidence behind Kevin O'Connell, to get confidence behind Kirk, to get confidence behind the whole new offensive scheme they're taking. It's just an added bonus that it is against green Bay. And that is a big mark for them to, to take that victory. But I think if they get, if they lose game one, then, I don't know. Yeah. Like hit the alarms, right? Like then it's like, this isn't working. This we're seeing that new offense. We were all so excited about. Sorry to be the pessimist guys, but I'm just injecting the reality. That's all I'm doing. You are indeed one of us. You are a Vikings fan, yes. <laughs> right? I know. That's it's fine. <laughs> you two are here to talk about it. Uh, exactly. Good or good, bad, ugly. You are here to talk about it. We are here to talk about it again. This is before we die with Jesse and Thor on purple daily. Jesse just loves disappearing on us. Hot unmuted takes. Uh, <laughs> Hot okay. muted takes from Hot Jesse muted. Pierce. That yes, it probably wasn't Jesse. Don't say that. That's what it was trying to do. Like, <laughs> did 
Did your mic just edit something that did you just save me work? It, did. Is that it what probably you did? did. It probably did. I think I was going to take some hockey take mention Kirill Kaprizov. I don't know what I was going to do, Love but it. it's what we're going to do uh, on before we die. We wanted to set a new precedent where we each give our before we die takes. So for example, before we die, I think the Minnesota Vikings will have a kicker that goes a perfect season, including kicks a winning field goal in an NFC North championship. That's my before we die prediction. I will see that happen before I die. Thor Ross, what do you guys got before you die? What do you think could happen? It could be something silly. It could be something that could easily happen this year. could happen tomorrow, whatever. Let's hear them. Thor, I'll go first because I have a two-parter. First off, before we die, I believe the NFL will play a 20-game schedule and they will scrap the regular season. Or excuse me, the preseason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to do preseason games. Is what you're <laughs> they're going to play 20 games and scrap the entire season. How's <laughs> that possible? No, the NFL will eventually play a 20-game season before we die. Secondly, I would be remiss if I didn't hop in with an apology. Yes. The first show went swimmingly well. Jesse Thor, you guys are awesome. You're incredible to deal with. No errors on your part, but an egregious error on my part. And I have a written statement right here that I would like to read. If Thank you, you two, for coming prepared. Yeah, if you two would allow me, I would like to read this written statement. In addition, number one of Before We Die, I mistakenly erred when I told Jesse she misspoke in reference to the days Before We Die will appear on YouTube and in podcast form. Jesse did not misspeak. I misheard her and inappropriately called her out. To Jesse, all of her family, and many friends, I am sorry. I apologize for calling you out like I did, and I will do better. I hope Jesse and all of Purple Daily on Score North can forgive this egregious error and misfortunate circumstance solely brought on by myself. I will do better. I have to do better. And with that, Thor. Before we die. Before we die, I, I don't want to see Garrett Bradbury starting at center anymore. I, nice. I, 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 there we I, go. I, I'm sick of it. You know, and, and and we talked about it with the Reef. I hope they're actually considering the possibility of one of these guys that they sign, you know, Reed, I, I guess being, you know, in, in this case, that they're actually going to consider starting him, that they're actually going to make this an open competition, much like the quarterback two things, a competition or the safety two on, on, on the roster the Vikings can't afford to have Garrett Bradbury playing like he's played the last couple of years. My, my joke is he spent more time in Kirk Cousins' lap than Cousins' infant children these last couple of years. And, and like a reef said, I mean, the, the most predictable camp report we've ever heard, Garrett Bradbury struggling, a, a guy who cannot deal with NFL power. Now he's going one-on-one -on -one against Harrison Phillips, who's just <laughs> literally just a, a human forklift is, yeah. is how you can consider Harrison Phillips. Not, not a surprise at all, but, you know, it just goes to speak to the issues with Bradbury's game that he has not been able to fix. He, we heard all these offseason stories about, oh, he's doing all this work and he, he's getting rolled and ragdolled at the start of camp. So before before I die and, and hopefully before uh, October of this year, I'm hoping that Garrett Bradbury <laughs> is supplanted in the starting lineup. Bad joke alert. Do you two know what Garrett Bradbury and a Cadbury egg have in common? They're easy to break. They are both soft in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I was going somewhere yeah. with cream, but then it felt inappropriate. So I just pulled <laughs> on back from that. Yeah, so we'll, good, good we'll avoid that. We'll definitely avoid <laughs> My that. My mic didn't cut that one out. But uh, 
Again, this is before we die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. Ross, I accept your apology on behalf of the Jesse Pierce fan club, which has probably maybe one member. I haven't asked my husband if he's in it or not, but we'll see. Uh, thank you very much. We can move forward now together. Uh, as always, thank you to Arif Hassan at The Athletic as well for joining us to break down some stuff while he is out at camp. We really appreciate it. Again, this is Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North, bringing you Vikings hot takes each and every week, having a little fun along with it. You can follow me on Twitter at Jesse, J-E-S-S-I underscore Pierce, P-I-E-R-C-E. Thor, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Thor KU, and you can find my work on Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. Skull. There you go. Skull. There you go. You can follow hockey work if you guys are into that. NHL.com for me. Uh, again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back again next Monday and Thursday, Ross. will be Mondays and Thursdays every single week. Uh, please join us then. Have a good one.